Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. My the son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness! And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we! A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Hello everybody, it is Tuesday, it is the Tuesday after round 23, the top eight is decided and it is time for the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch, those with the touch you can better your bet, download Tab Touch today, please gamble responsibly and remember Gambler's Helpline is 1-800-858-858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters, the man with very small hands, that was around 23 to remember. It was. It was a Sunday to remember in particular. And um, I'll sum it up best in that I was at the Inglewood Hotel with a Collingwood mate and a Carlton mate. And early in the last quarter, he was stressing, saying, we will find a way to lose this. And I said, just, mate, be positive. Be positive. You'll win it. At the final siren, I turned to him and I just said, I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) I don't know what to say to you. I can't believe how they lost that. And um, everything, I mean, ultimately, Duff, I think Frio finished where they should have finished. Yep. And so I'm not that concerned about that side of it. But they were were stiff. But, um, oh, Carlton will be ruining that. It's one you're never going to get back. Well, the bottom line for Frio is that the minute you put things in other people's hands. Yes. That's and and that's no disrespect to Freo. Freo had a great season. Um, you know, if they get the extra point against Richmond, they're in the top four. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and they had two cracks in it on Sunday too. So St. St Kilda just teased them. Yeah, St Kilda would never get that. No, it looked like that, didn't it? Was, it? it was one of those ones where so I was doing um the game, the T V show, and it was like the end of the game, the end of the St Kilda Sydney game was pretty much coinciding with the start of the T V show, which goes live. Yeah. And you sort of think you're keeping an eye on it, keeping an eye on it right up until five minutes before, and then you've got to get hooked up and all these sorts of things. And and uh, about five minutes before, I thought, nah, they're not winning this. Yeah. Um, it, they, as you say, Max King. Yeah, it was a great end of the season for him, though. It's amazing what the absence of pressure, yeah, like real pressure, yeah. you know what I mean, like finals on the line sort of yeah. pressure. Um, he's able to kick straight, kicks five straight, keeps him in the game. Uh, ben Long was fantastic. He was, uh, and Sydney always had enough players doing enough. Yeah, I don't know where I don't line. know where I'm at with Sydney. I think after the weekend, clear, there's still two clear favourites for me. I think Melbourne's back in town after Friday. I was watching them on Friday night, thinking, "You are right back in this." They look really good. Yeah, I thought if they win in Brisbane against Brisbane. I thought they could win the flag, uh, but it was a pretty pathetic effort the, by Brisbane. Yeah, the, the flip side of it is that I don't think Brisbane can win the flag. And, they, well, no, and um, that was that was diabolical to turn, to put that out there in a game that meant that much at home. Um, I just felt that um, uh, yeah, that you can almost draw a line through them, and particularly if they, if Cam Rayner doesn't get off. 
Yeah, so he's appealing that. That's up tonight, 3.30 our time. Well, I have to. Really. Answorth's taken his one week. But, yeah, they have to appeal it. And um, I think he's a chance. He's a chance because it's more a scrape than a slam. Yeah. You know it what was, I mean? It wasn't a double action. It's um, Ben Brown's head scrapes along, and, it, and it's where the turf wicket is. So, And yeah. he's lucky that Brown came back on play, but it was pretty nasty. And you're right, unfortunate in that... Um, the way that Brown fell, and also the Brown, turf. Brown's a big ungainly bugger, and the and the, and hit, smacking your head into the turf. We well, didn't there. really smack; you kind of scraped yeah. along it. So yeah. I think that's, and the, if you're Brisbane, that's possibly what you're going to argue that it, it's it's not so much a head slamming into the turf. It's a, uh, and I guess the other question is, how does a 187 centimetre player show duty of care to a 200 <laughs> centimetre? It's pretty hard. You got to get him down somehow, and yeah. there's all sorts of levers and angles that uh, that kick into play, but. Taking that out of it, um, it was a feeble effort by Brisbane. They look slow, uh, particularly in the back half. There's players there that they need to look at. Obviously, Zorko and the captaincy is a big issue now. Um, We won't talk too much about that incident, but I tend to agree with your take on it in that if the AFL intervenes now, there's a delicate matter at play here. Um, Harrison Petty's mummy's ill, and uh, I just don't think dragging it on and on and on is going to help her at all. So this is the thing, and this is what people need to realise, those that want blood over this. When there's a third party involved, and this is why it's so inappropriate for any player to introduce a third party mm. to sledging, whether it be a girlfriend, a former girlfriend, a family member, whatever, then they have to be factored in to whatever action the AFL takes because they will be affected. So he's got a bit of work to do to redeem his credibility. Well, he can't be captain. No, well, he won't be captain next year, surely. But he's got a bit of work to do to redeem his or regain some credibility in the public eye because that was a bloody awful thing to say, whichever way you look at it. And uh, unnecessary, as you say, introducing a third party. Um, And we move on. It was a horrible night for Brisbane all up. It really was. I thought Melbourne handled it really well. Yeah. Um, after the game. And look, as I said, footy-wise, they look good. And Geelong did what they had to do against West Coast. There is a question mark in that Melbourne has played the season top eight sides more than Geelong has. Yeah. But you can only play who's in front of you, and they've not put a foot wrong. They look just well-drilled and ready, Geelong. And Melbourne's just building. So, yeah, um, look. And Sydney, I don't know. September is always an uncertainty anyway because mm. it's all on the day, isn't it? Two teams take the field. It's it's the old Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome thing. Two men enter, mm. one man leave. Mm. You know, two teams enter, one team leaves. Um, so two teams take the field. It's it's all on the day. I think Geelong are as well prepared as they can be. Absolutely I mean, is. Yeah, they could, they could not be better prepared. Their older players are still playing well. They've inserted pace around them to help make up for some of the inadequacies that older players may have, um, which is they lose their leg speed and they lose their ability to cover and cover the ground. I think Max Holmes, uh, Brad Close, um, Atkins. Stengel. Stengel. All these guys are incredibly important to Geelong. Just and Isaac Smith. Isaac Smith brings run even though yeah. he's old. Yeah. Well, he's still pretty quick. And, and don't forget, on top of that, they've got Blitzarves, elite yeah. athlete, Menegola, elite athletes. So even though those guys are senior players, they still bring what an older team would normally lack, which is elite run and and ground cover. So um, I think Geelong are in it. I think Melbourne, 
you, you cannot get more emphatic than what they did up in Brisbane the other night. Richmond will be looking at it and going, oh, that gives us a bit of confidence. We can go up there and do that. Absolutely. And they're, they're a bit of a X factor, Richmond. I don't think they can win four to win it, but I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want to be playing them. Um, you, wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to be Brisbane? No. I don't think you'd want to be playing Richmond. I just yeah. think you'd be a bit nervous with that forward line, and you talk about building into form. They're certainly doing that. We haven't even mentioned Collingwood. Now, before I'd mentioned Collingwood, obviously Carlton. So they've conceded five goals, um, five goals one, and they've kicked one six, right, in this last quarter. And you look at – we won't go through them individually, but you look at the decisions they made under pressure in the final quarter. You know, Durden and Curnow. Um, you know, one of the worst ones, and he'll escape it yep. because he's a feel-good story this year and he's been a great player Sam Doherty. Sam Doherty's kicked to the pocket. Yeah. That's uh, – we're not trying to win this anymore. We're just trying not to lose. He wanted that five metres in from the boundary line, punched over the line, stoppage set up behind it. That is as big a signal to Collingwood as you can get. These guys have stopped playing. Yeah. They are now just defending. And Durden's decision, which is the last decision, so – it sort of stands out a bit more, but I just beg his belief. I just assumed he was either going Mackay or to the top of the square because you you force a, um, you force it through for a behind. It's a draw, and you're going through. So I just I was just shaking my head in disbelief. On the other hand, Collingwood every opportunity they seized as they always do, as they've shown in the last this season, pretty much they just don't waste them, do they? They just keep playing. Yeah, but they also don't waste their opportunities. There's very few turnovers. And in the clutch of the moment, they executed when Carlton couldn't. So, well done to Collingwood. I, I, they've really surprised me this year. Oh, they, they play the brand of football that they pursue at an elite level. And they are able to do it because they've got ball users and decision makers spread around the ground. Primarily, um, Howe's a good decision maker. Nick Dacos, elite decision maker. Scott Pendlebury, elite decision maker. Steel Sidebottom, elite decision maker. Um, uh, there's another one. Well, you've got Taylor Adams probably coming back in well, in he's a week a, he's, or two. He's the ferocity. Yeah, he, but he's coming back in a week, yeah. maybe two weeks. But. Maynard, Crisp, Taylor Adams, they're the guts and muscle of this team. But Oh, oh well, the other one's the other Dacos, Josh Dacos, yeah. of course. Um, they're all elite decision makers, elite executors. And so when they go... They go with the confidence that if they if the ball's in one of those hands, nothing bad's going to happen. So they can go quickly to half forward and be really bold, and and everyone starts going. You know they're in assertive mode virtually all game long. And and if you stop playing, the the lesson for every team that's going to face Collingwood is that if you stop playing against the Pies, they're going to come at you because they will not stop playing. So Carlton. Carlton lost that in a different way to the way they lost the Melbourne game. And maybe the Melbourne game influenced the way they went about this game. Yeah, the Mel- but the, the, the Melbourne game, they only had to they, – they were milking the clock as well, but it was, there was poor execution ultimately. Yeah. So I, I thought it was there were similarities there, you know. I'm fascinated to see how the Collingwood system, how the brand stands up. It'll stand up. And we, it'll stand up, but week one they've got you long. I'm, I'm not saying – they win it. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm like you. I still think there are two teams clear of the pack, but it'll stand up. And they, they will give a good account of themselves. But I can assure them that there will be teams who will be playing to the final siren against them. Geelong won't be petering out in the final quarter. So well, you don't have to peter out those quarters. Carlton didn't stop trying. 
they just stopped playing. Yeah. The, the brand, the powerful surge brand of footy that Carlton played in the third quarter, the, the brand that turned the game, got them in front, got them a lead we thought they shouldn't have lost, they stopped playing that. They went into a completely different mode and they did it almost from the start of the last quarter. So is that, is that a lack of leadership on field? I think it's a lack of... It's, it's a, a lack of smarts. It's a lot of things. Yeah. It's, it's a lack of experience in that moment. That's hard to address as a coach. In the aftermath of that game, that would have been a really tough moment for Michael Voss to address that I, I would term. Have, if I was Voss, I would have said, I want that brand till the 15-minute mark. Then we'll reassess at the 15-minute mark. Just, I want Go. You know, Paddy, you're the bull at the centre square. I want you bulldozing. Adam Cherry, you've been smooth, silky clean. You surge the ball forward. You finish for us. I want that from you. I want everyone go until the 15-minute mark. Then we'll assess where we're at. And if they're still five goals up at the 15-minute mark, they probably win the game. If they get further in front, then... Um, you know, the game's over and Collingwood probably, even Collingwood, stopped believing. Um, and if it, if the gap narrows, you do what they ended up doing anyway, which is you're trying to save it. But you don't try and save it for 30 minutes. Mm. So that that's a brutal lesson. And for they're not getting it back. That's the, that's the bottom line. They're not playing finals again. They're not getting it back. And, and from eight and two, that's a big fail for Carlton for mine this year. It is. Let's talk about Fremantle versus GWS. Mm. Now, this was a pretty ordinary effort for a quarter and a half. Yeah. and and But then it was a very mature effort from then on in. You know what I liked about it? Uh, yes, at what, 31 points down, and then found a way to win when it was a dysfunctional forward line. Mm. Now, there were blokes who were, who were static. Um, I liked the way they found a way to win. And um, so I sort of came away from the game thinking there's a lot of upside here. A lot. So I give them every chance in week one of the finals. They'll get a couple of players back. So they've just got, obviously, it's the forward line, which is the greatest area of concern, um, coming up against a side that is potent up front. But um, yeah, I walked away quite buoyed by that performance. Yeah, I was, um, um, well, the dog was under the bed halfway through the <laughs> Yeah, well, yes. yes. Um, but... Um, I like the way they steadied, and I like the way they got they got it done. I love Caleb Sarong's game. Yeah. I'm with David Mundy. I think Caleb Sarong is their next captain. He's just got that gnarly little feisty. Um, it's pers- a hard decision. I persona. still think Brayshaw ticks every box as well. So yeah, I'm I'm Sarong. Sarong's got that. He's got a bit of that mongrel in him. That he a captain sure has. Is. And um, yeah, I think. Two outstanding candidates, mm. um, but I, I would be giving it to Sarong at this stage. Although that's that's Sarong has just completed his third home and away season. Mm. Brayshaw has just completed his fifth. So if they're looking for a new captain next year, you'd probably say that Brayshaw, just by dint of experience, might have the edge. But gee whiz, I, I don't think they'd lose much if they went if they backed themselves in and went for mm. uh, went for Caleb Sarong. Um, interestingly. Adam Kingsley gets the job at the Giants ahead of Adam Adam Uze. So um, Adam had him, but it was the wrong Adam. Well, they might have just asked them, how do you spell Adam? (laughs) (laughs) Uze with an E or Adam Kingsley with an A. Um, Did Adam Uze come up one vowel short? He came up, well, yeah, he did. (laughs) He's going to get a vowel for Christmas. Um, Look, um, 16-year apprenticeship, Port St Kilda and Richmond. That's, of course, after his um, premiership winning career as a player with Port. So... 
He's been around, hasn't he, for a while. He's been at the pointy end of coaching interviews and missed out on a few. So uh, well done to Adam Kingsley. Uh, got a bit to work with, and he's also got a bit to work on, I think, Adam Kingsley next year. I don't know where it leaves Adam Uze. Uh, I assume he will put up his hand for the Essendon job. Um, that was another major storyline of the weekend. We saw the tears from Ben Rutten, and then we saw his departure. Uh, and I think it's fair to say, whichever way you look at it, that footy club is just a mess at the moment. Maybe it's a mess they had to have. Maybe they had to get to ground zero again because they got to ground zero a few years ago over the supplement scandal. But maybe, may, who's to know, maybe down the track, um, David Barron might be the right man and he just had to force a bit of a seismic shift. But it was done. It was just so messy. So I think before you find the solution, you've got to find the problem. So what is the problem at Essendon? The problem at Essendon is, well, there was a shift... In the footy department, there's a there was a there was a um, I think you're talking schism. about you're talking about symptoms here. No, yeah. I don't know so much. But I think I think when you are divided at the top, I think it permeates through. I don't know how the players. How are you meant to go forward as a playing group if you split at the top? So it seems to me that there's a Sheedy, Barham, um, Harvey split with the other side. Uh, so see, I don't see halves as a mate. If halves spruiks the club a bit, he gets around. He probably, you know talks to the coterie groups which as Guy McKenna great column by Guy McKenna by the way mm. in Saturday's paper um, you know talks about the power and the influence of the coterie groups at Essendon far greater than anything he was shocked he saw he was shocked when he West stepped Coast inside Essendon yeah. he expected it to be a big club as it is after being at West Coast and after being at Collingwood and obviously after being at Gold Coast but he said, I was stunned by the not only the size of the coded groups, but the influence, and therein lays another problem. Well, I think that is the problem. Is there too much? I think Kevin Sheedy on the board's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sheeds, we all love Sheeds, don't we? Like, Sheeds was almost, if Sheeds wasn't coaching your team, then he was the, almost most people's other favourite coach in the competition, because he was a character well, and he just, was odd. Not just the coach. He, no one has done more for footy than Kevin Sheedy. He's been magnificent for the game and continues to be. But the time comes when you have to step aside and maybe his time on that at that club at the pointy end of power is over. I think that's the, tr the truth. There's some truth in that. When you see Simon Madden threatening to quit the board, you know there's problems there. So I, I do think that there's an issue at the top that maybe... He's just shaking the hell out of it, Barham, and it, they, they're going to move forward from here. What about Hurd? Can he coach that club? The AFL has well, said we, we can't prevent it, but surely they can influence. I will bet Sheedy's pushing for this. Yeah. And how does uh, – I, I love the words of Joe Watson Yeah. on Saturday night. He described the, what's happened to the club as diabolical, and he made the point about James Hurd. He says, I don't know how that's going to work. The lowest form of conversation is remember when. Mm-hmm. So the question for Essendon is how do you go forward? You can't go forward with a bloke that, that was a part of an era that damaged the club as badly as James Hurd did. Clearly. Now, James Hurd can reinvent himself somewhere else. James Hurd can redeem himself somewhere else and maybe return to Essendon at a later date. But not now. Yeah. Not now. There is a lot of water to go under the bridge before James Hurd can walk back through the doors of Essendon with the support of the club and what they need more than anything. I'm talking about the whole club, not just the vocal people 
that reckon that still deny that what happened happened. And there's plenty of those. Yeah, but there's plenty of the others as well. And this is the problem. So to go forward, they first need to put that in the rear vision mirror, and they haven't yet. And so James Hurd can't come back now. Maybe he can in five years' time. If James Hurd goes to another club, becomes a senior assistant, and then became the senior coach and you know became a success as a senior coach at another club and re-found that trust, that complete trust, not measured trust, not qualified trust, but complete trust of the AFL football community, then it may be that James Hurd can go back through the doors at Essendon. But I would argue that time hasn't come. Yeah, I agree with you. I certainly agree with you. Uh, some news this morning. So Isaac Rankine has informed Gold Coast he wants to return to Adelaide. We saw that coming, I guess. You know what? But- I, I see. So maybe I'm glass half full for Gold Coast's sake here. I reckon this is a good outcome for well, Gold Coast. Well, provided they get pick six. He was half in. Provided they get pick six. Well, they have to. Well, they have to get pick six. They gave away pick three three years ago. Yeah. This is, again, two things here. This is why first-rounders should be four-year deals. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like the Adelaide language when he and Lacosius were drafted. You know, caveat emperor, buyer beware. I didn't like that. That was tantamount to draft tampering, and they got basically got away with a bit of a slap on the wrist. Did not like it, and I don't like it now, but if they can get a pick six for him, I'll be happy with that. Has to be at least that, though. They yeah. can't, Adelaide can't look at him and say, oh, no, we're not giving you pick six. If so, the AFL intervenes and he just goes somewhere else. Or well, it doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't even need the AFL to intervene. No. I'll guarantee you, West Coast is sitting there with yeah. the first pick at the pre The only way they lever the trade is through the preseason draft. There are clubs before Adelaide in the preseason draft. Yeah, he's a pretty handy player. So pick six, I think, would be appropriate. Yeah. He's a very good player. And, and, that has had a pretty good year. And two of the clubs ahead of Adelaide are West Coast and North Melbourne. Now, North Melbourne has uh, Alistair Clarkson present and accounted for. I'm sure Alistair Clarkson would go knocking on Isaac Rankin's door and say, well, mm. hey, if they can't get the trade deal done, we'll, you know, um, we'll step in. You've got North Melbourne. Uh, you've got Port Adelaide in the fray. You know, Port Adelaide will be saying, well, come here. We've just lost Robbie Gray. You can be our premier small forward. Um, they'll be going talking to Gold Coast. What can we? How can we help you? You know, we'd love Isaac Rankin. So yeah, I think if Adelaide trades uh, with a genuine trade spirit, then they can end up with Isaac Rankin. The Sonia Hood uh, Chad Corn stuff amused me over the weekend. Stuff the Sonia Hood saying quite cleverly and you know it's quite funny. I'm not going to break the news on your show with David King as much as I'd love to. And I loved his retort. I loved his retort. Well done. You've done your due diligence. You've got your man and it was really well done. But the victory lap has to end. (laughs) (laughs) You finished last with a percentage of, what is it, Um, 55.8 below West Coast. (laughs) The victory lap has to end. That's not a good season. And it was a pretty... Poor final outing as well. Oh, that was, that was a brutal back-to-earth bud, wasn't they're it? They're just not that bad. I look at the list. I look at the team that's out there. They're not that bad. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what Clarko can do. It's a great decision by Clarko. You can't go backwards. You cannot go backwards. You're only going forwards, aren't you? Yeah. With this group. So it's very, very good decision by him. Um, All-Australian squad announced a 44 squad yesterday. No, well, who are the ones in there from Carlton, by the way? Uh, There's five. I haven't got it here, actually. Um, so Sam Walsh, Paddy Cripps. There's no Sam Doherty. 
which I found unusual in the 44 squad. Adam Sard's in. Yes. Jacob Wiedering's in. And I think uh, Charlie Kernow would be yes, in. Yes, he's well. in. He is in. But Sam Doherty, I think, stiff to miss out there. So here's my question. Yeah. What did read, read me out Carlton's points against on the premiership ladder there. 1714. Read me out Fremantle's. 1486. So how does Carlton get two defenders in the And all not Hayden Young. Yeah. See, I'd argue, I think Adam Sard's a bit overrated. Yeah. Looks great. I don't think he looks out of place in the All-Australian squad. If you were picking a team to win this week and you had a choice... I'm having Hayden Young ahead of him. Yeah. What about this? More like for life. I might even have Jordan Clark ahead of him. Well, that was what the point I was about to make. If To win this week, and it's either Adam Sard or Jordan Clark as the dashing rebound... Yeah, I'm going Jordan Clark, yeah. Me too. Mm. So I, I'm just not sure what Adam Sard is doing in that team. Um, I, and I think, look, I think it was marginal on Brennan Cox. I know that Justin Longmuir pumped him up. I reckon Brennan Cox... So I think Nick Dacos was stiff. Josh gets in, Nick doesn't. But Nick, no, Nick Dacos I thought was stiff. Um, I thought... Um, I, so, I just read the Dacos. I just assumed no, it was Nick. I actually, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, they've made an error here. No, it was Josh's in, Nick isn't. Wow. Um, no, um, that is an error. No, George. Other players who, you know, 50 50, but consider themselves. Mate, Luke Ryan, Sarong, um, Jordan Dawson, Paddy McCartan had a great year. You can't fit them all in, so I'm not, you know, but I think there are some errors there. You probably raised one. Tom Barras. Well done, by the way, to the WA players. Yeah. Um, Brayshaw, Cox, and Barras. Yeah, absolutely. And even on the weekend, so Barras wasn't as dominant as he'd been. He still made life pretty difficult for Tommy Hawkins yes. with a absolute deluge of forward fifty entries coming at him and, and and multiple ways the ball was coming forward. So I think well deserved by Tommy Brass. I hope he survives the cut and gets in. I hope Andy Brayshaw does too. I suspect Brayshaw Bre- uh, Brayshaw will make the cut. I suspect Brennan Cox might be in the squad, but not quite in the team. And the under-22 team today, uh, Hayden Young, Jordan Clark, Andrew Brasher and Caleb Sarong. No surprises there, and well done to all of them. I read that team. Mm-hmm. I've got it here. The 22-under-22. 22 22. Yep. And you know what my first thought was? Mm-hmm. How would that go against the final All-Australian 22? I'll tell you what, that's a pretty bloody good team, that team. It's a pity we can't play that game. I know. It would be they would lose, but it would be they'd give a good account of themselves. I think the experience would tell in the end. Hey, say Hayden Young, Sam DeConing, Nick Blakey, Nick Dacos, Tony McCartan, Jordan Clark. I was surprised Nick Blakey's tw- under twenty two. Noah Anderson, Andrew Brasher, Adam Chera, Connor Rosie, Aaron Norton, Jack Ginnivan, Josiah Pickett, Max King, Isaac Rankine, Luke Jackson, Sam Walsh, Bailey Smith, and on the bench, Chad Warner, Caleb Sarong, Isaac Quainer, and um, Kedian Coleman. I'm surprised Chad Warner's on the bench, actually. That's, that is a pretty good side. I wouldn't want to play him. I'll tell you what, a starting four, Jackson, Brayshaw, Warner, and I'd have Rosie in there. Yep. Yes, and- yep, yep. Pretty good. <laughs> Oh, we'd love to see it. We won't, but... Uh... <laughs> It'd be a bloody good game. And you know what? The oldies, they'd be off the bit pretty quick, Jason. <laughs> There's a lot of dash in that. Yeah, they've, got, is, they've got a bit of quality in the key position posts, um, as long as Max King could kick straight. Well, he did last week. I'm glad he kicked straight last week because he takes that into the off-season now. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't plague his mind, as it probably would if he'd kicked zero five. It would be a horrifying way to end, end of the season, but well done. Uh, Nathan O'Driscoll gets the round 23 yeah. rising star nom. Um, so that's a, a nice outcome for Fremantle. You know, he will 
I'll say this now. He's going to kick three or four. He will shape a final at some point. Well, hopefully. whether it's a grand final or this next week's final, hopefully week one. Of he's the final. got so much X factor about him. He just looks like that sort of a player that's going to make a statement in a final. I really like him. West Coast finish to the year, eighty-five yep. point losers to Geelong in Geelong. There's a hard ask for them. So it was neither as credible as they would have wanted, or as catastrophic as they would have feared. Yeah, it wasn't catastrophic. I think it was about where you th- I thought it would be. There's- to be honest, you know, I mean, what do you? Get out of that game. Well, it's another experience, I suppose, playing together, going to Geelong, which is one of the most inhospitable of venues. But actually, just stop there, yeah. quarters. I think we agreed last week that if the lost losing margin had a five or a six in front of it, that would be okay. But this has got an eight in front of it. Mm. I think West Coast has to stop. You know, oh, we played with the right attitude. We did this. We did that. You're two and twenty, boys. Mm. And there's a lot of bad losses. Well, in this there. is the worst performance by a WA team. Yeah, in an AFL season. So, so yeah. that's the, yeah. Look, it's been a crap year for them. Let, Absolutely crap. Let, and it's not everything. Let's just that, reset things a little yeah. bit. Shift the club ninety degrees, and stop talking about everything that went wrong, and start talking about what needs to get done to be better. Okay. Because I think we're all a little bit tired of hearing the you know oh, we played with the right attitude even after the COVID stop tearing through the club in the back half of the season and I completely acknowledge the lack of continuity that meant for them um, because if you look at go across town and look at Nathan Five lacks continuity he's playing like a bloke who lacks continuity so that applies to two or three key players at West Coast absolutely accept that but does that add up to two and twenty it was, it's pretty poor look Let's have a look at what's happened since, okay, and, and have a look at what another reason for the. So Nick Nat went in yesterday for some knee surgery. There were murmurings around whether he was going to play on or not, and it was very much how the knee looks. West Coast language is we expect him to play on. I'm not sure if that's over the line yet, but they're saying it is. I think I think he plays. Okay, he plays. So there's look, some players here out of contract. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Jackson Nelson, Alex Witherden, Connor West, Isaiah Winder, the SSP rookies, Hugh Dixon, Patrick Nash, who actually played very well for West Coast over the weekend, and Tom Joyce. They've got picks 2, 20, and 26. Whether they split the pick 2 to get get two early picks, we're not sure. Um, there's some players that are looking at interstate. I know they're looking at Buslinger. I know they're looking at um, Ruben Ginby, big Ruben time. G- Ruben Ginby, I would have thought. Big time. East Perth midfielder. Yeah. Aaron Cadman from the NAB Cup, he's definitely on the radar. A lot of apparently there was a team of five West Coast recruiters doing the circuit at the Victoria and the Victorian NAB Cup games on the weekend. So mm-hmm. they they stagger their game so all the recruiters can go to pretty much all the games. Yep. Um five. Oh, as they should be. Yep. They've got early picks. Big team. Gonna make the most of these these have got to nail these picks. They'd have a good debate. I think a real issue and we've discussed this is the West Coast Waffle team. Now the Waffle Clubs have to get their big boys' pants on and make them more competitive. This can't go on. I think it it reflects and um, it definitely has an influence on the senior team. Well it affects development, doesn't it? If you're playing in a team that's utterly uncompetitive with a number of players who, through no fault of their own, they're just really good amateur players. So, you know, Duff, there are waffle clubs who just don't review those games. And that's an indictment on West Coast. Yeah. 
if they are not bothering to review those games. But they are look, I have a lot but they of, need to be better. I have a lot of sympathy for West Coast in this area because of all their teams, I think that have failed dismally this year. The AFLW team, um, the AFLW team should have been better by now. Um, the AFL team, again, we know the COVID issue, we know the injury issue, but I just ask the question one more time: Does that mean two and twenty? But the Waffle team basically is down. It's the, the worst of it. Well, but it's down the end of the food chain as a result of what's happening. The but the Waffle team. Clubs need to ask themselves, what's the point? We need to make this team stronger because they need to have a more competitive outing. It's wrong. So isn't the answer, and this answer has been staring them in the face for about three years now, isn't the answer to look at Peel and do a rough assessment of the non-AFL players at Peel and say, okay, these are the ones we think that aren't AFL-listed players at Peel but are genuinely Waffle standard. So therefore, West Coast has to have that many around their AFL-listed players. Isn't that a pretty simple exercise? Like, couldn't you have a, an independent panel of football managers and maybe a couple of retired list managers who go in and look at that and say, well, they need, and it might be four. I think the number that West Coast are banding around is four. So four genuine waffle players. Well, you've just nailed it with the independent yeah. Because it's not going to happen otherwise. Because waffle clubs will not, because it'll all be about self interest. So they yeah. need to they need to look at this um in a like I hate the word, but a more holistic way. You you can't just it's gotta be self interest out the door and you've got to make this team better. And I think letting West Coast have some input into this is has gotta be important as well because hmm. West Coast does not want their waffle team to be winning by ten goals every week. That doesn't help the development of their players. They just don't want them losing by 15 goals every week because that doesn't help the development of their players either. So I suspect West Coast is likely to be sensible in coming to the table asking for a set of playing conditions that enables them to compete. The, the Waffle Clubs have to listen on this one. Okay, we'll get to some mail in a moment. Ticket sales went on sale this morning. Uh, priority 1 at 10am, Priority 2 at 11 and Public at 3 o'clock. I think we expect a big crowd, to sellout crowd for week one of the finals for Freo. I don't know about a sellout. Could be, could be uh, well, it is going to be David Mundy's last game here, regardless. So, yeah, it's going to be north of 50,000, isn't it? That's Has to be. Yeah, so that's that's a good crowd at, at Doctor Stadium. Okay. Now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to a Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. We'll be giving a carton away later this week. Please keep your emails short and let us know if you're from Western Australia so you can win that carton. Quite a bit of mail today, Duff. This one, Adam from Carlisle. Hey, legends. First of all, didn't Carlton just fully, comprehensively, unmitigatedly butcher that game? To quote JL, without getting ahead of ourselves as Frio supporters, if we get past the Bulldogs next weekend, do you think the Dockers will entertain setting up a hub on the East Coast for potentially the three weeks, if required, to prevent us from flying back and forth each weekend up to grand final day? I'm not expecting us to get that far now we finish fifth. Thanks, Carlton. But surely that would give us the best chance of the ultimate success than flying each week. No, I wouldn't be doing that. No. I'd... One, the first thing is beat the Bulldogs. I think Fremantle will start favourite in that game. Um, but the Bulldogs are a very dangerous outfit. Um, they have a very mercurial coach. 
Um, I don't think the Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs have been one of the more disappointing teams so far yeah. this year. Um, yeah. Needed the win to go their way in the Carlton Collingwood game to even play finals. They're better than that. Therefore, they will be dangerous. They've played a number of big games here. Um, they played a grand final here and were very competitive against Melbourne until midway through the third quarter. Therefore, they will be dangerous. Uh, they've got a very strong midfield. Therefore, they will be dangerous. Um, so win that game. The one area that they'll get a look is their defence. And Frio, it's the one area, unfortunately, Frio is a little bit dysfunctional at the moment, is their forward line. So, yeah. um, You know, one bloke who jumped off the page on the weekend, Sam Darcy. Oh, yeah. Sam Darcy played 15 minutes in that second, second game, third game, second or third. Well, his, his debut doesn't, was against Fremantle. Doesn't matter. He's just hardly Mate, been out there. He's he clunks guy. two, kicks yeah. two goals, and then gets big hands on a third, soft drop, crumbing goal, and and they've gone from in serious trouble, probably in as much trouble as Fremantle were in in Canberra against the Giants, mm-hmm. to back in the game, and from then you always felt you get oh, a look at but Hawthorne gives you a look though, and plus they smashed it. Um, centre clearances yep. smashed on the spread which is the area Hawthorne has to look at I think with Hawthorne you can't have Mitchell and O'Meara in that side anymore I think you keep O'Meara I don't think Tom Mitchell can be in that team anymore. so you want Tom Mitchell on the trade table I think, I, I think they're going to have to they need speed they need young young speed in that side and I think four bookends are great I think there's some quality in the midfield. Another two debutants at the weekend. They're heading in the right direction. That's just an area they... I don't think it's a, an area they can't address either. I think it's quite doable. Well, you've buried the lead there, Quarters. That's a big call. No, Brownlow no. medalist on the trade table. Well, you've got to look at the side, don't you? Can you have O'Meara and Mitchell in that... Mate, they're two snails. They're great players, great players, but they're, too, they're slow. Okay, so follow-up question. Alistair Clarkson's just been appointed coach at North Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Alistair Clarkson bought Tom Mitchell to Hawthorne. Drag him into North. So North has a lot of good running midfielders. They missed Ben Cunnington, who's the Yanker player that those guys well, you play need around. experience in there, so he makes perfect sense. So does David Mundy for a year. Yeah, I don't think David's going to Melbourne. Okay, well, Tom Mitchell makes perfect sense. Stays in Melbourne. I, I think it makes sense to me. Okay. Um couple of random points here from Ben. Uh, one, if Brisbane stand for anything, Zorko needs to be stripped of the captaincy immediately. We agree with that. Two, the round-the-corner snap for set shots need to go away and die. I don't care what anyone says, but Kerno, you lost the game for Carlton twice. They like, they, most of them do it now. Who needs three? Who needs enemies when you have friends like the Essendon board? Fair call. <laughs> Four, how can Andrew Brayshaw be leading the Brownlow but only be good uh, betting but only be good enough to warm the bench in most Victorian media articles? In the All Australian team, I presume. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like that point. Uh, I like all those points. He might be Clubhouse leader at this time. Is he a local? He doesn't say. We'll work that one out. I can email him. We um, need further communication. Further communication. This one from Dan from Bunbury. Hey Duff and Quarters. I wrote in earlier this year having about having a break from Frio. I do remember that um, that uh, email. I just wanted to follow up and say 15.5 wins was two or more than I wanted. The lethargic first 40 minutes against GWS was limited throughout the season, so it was easier being with Frio this year. Two things. A bit random, too. Firstly, Woosha, an amazing coach that was chewed up and spat out with the same disrespect as Truck rutten these past seven days. Who in their right mind would coach this team? It's a fair point. Yep. Second, I was barracking for the Blues on Sunday and take out 95. I know there's a thing called dockery, but what is the Blues last two weeks called? Uh, I think it's called butchery. 
then tuned in for Saints. I think that's why they call it the Blues. Isn't yeah, it? That was a good headline on our paper. Uh, then tune in for Saints and more wishful hoping and another loss. I'm glad with my team after experiencing cheering for these two clubs for just a few hours. As I said, I was at the Inglewood Hotel and I turned to my mate and said, I don't know what to say to you. He said to me, "It really, it's really hard being a Carlton supporter. Yeah, that's it does test your metal. Um, and that's a that's a great email. And I remember his earlier yeah, rant earlier it was a in the bit Romance that was being put on hold. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, this one from Raoul Ballantyne of South Perth, an avid stone and wood connoisseur. Uh, noted, Raoul. Uh, G'day, D and Q. Would be interested to hear your thoughts on the following Frio players with their trade currency and which team could benefit with the trade of that player. Travis Collier, Joel Hamling, Connor Blakely, Lloyd Meek, Nathan Wilson, Ethan Hughes, Bailey Banfield. So Lloyd Meek's the obvious one that jumps off the page there. A lot of clubs need a number one ruckman. Lloyd Meek is a capable AFL player. I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's polyfarmer. West Coast, Geelong. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, if Goldstein goes and they're not totally comfortable with their ruck options, mm. you know, North Melbourne would be an option as well. So, um, yeah, there are a number of clubs that could benefit from Lloyd Meek. Uh, the others, they're more likely to be steak knives in other deals yeah. than actually. And Travis Collier's done really well. He's had a um, a strong two or three year period at Fremantle, but he's probably going to spend a fair bit of time in the waffle next year. And Bailey Banfield, I think he's had a pretty good year. I mean, there was a point there sort of halfway through the year where he played a couple of weeks, basically the centre-half forward role. He fills holes for them and does a good job when he does. If, if I Fremantle, I'd be signing Bailey Banfield yeah. on a one- or two-year deal, not much money, and I'd be saying to Bailey, Bailey, you're going to spend a few weeks in the team? You're just going to spend a few weeks as Medisub? Um, you're going to spend a few weeks in the waffle, but we value you. We know that you bring everything you got, and we know you'll continue to get better because you'll work on your but game. But every team needs a Bailey Banfield. Yep. Uh, this one from Chris Webb, just bear with me. Uh, g'day, gents. Enjoy the podcast each week on my drives to and from work. I read Quarter's article today. I have replied to this. I said, no, you didn't. You read Braden Quartermain's article today. Don't mix us up. I love Braden, but we're very different, um, about the fixture, <laughs> namely how Melbourne had to play four finalists in double-ups, whereas Geelong played West Coast and North twice for a combined winning margin of nearly 250 points. This is something that has griped me for a number of years, despite it helping my team, Freo, this year. My skeleton idea, since the TV money will never allow a fixture to play each other once only. Play each team once. After 17, round 17, there is a buy, alleviating the need for split rounds, and the ladder is split into three sections. One, one to six play each other once. That's the remaining five games. The top three seeds get the one extra home game since there's only five games. These teams have already qualified for finals, and it's just about final positioning from here. Seven to 12 play each other once to try to get the seven to eight seeds for finals. Again, the top three seeds get the home games. 13 to 18 play each other once. The team that finishes top here gets pick one or some other draft incentive to help with rebuilds. This will help alleviate tanking. I actually like that. It's not perfect, but would love to hear your thoughts and on it as the current model doesn't exactly seem scream integrity. I, so I don't know where he's... He may have thought this up himself, but I've had this exact same thought. And um, you could have a buy at the end of round 17 to make it easier for fans to travel, to make this feel like a, a kind of like a pre-finals final series, you know, a, a series of playoffs before the finals, if you like. Um, so I like this idea a lot. I have to say that I did email 
the AFL and suggest it to them, and I didn't get a response. So, therefore, clearly they didn't like it as much as So, me, I don't mind. I'm not that's sure. That's got a lot going for yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It raised some very good points. I'm not sure about the playing off for the number one pick, though. I think more a draft lottery would be more of an idea there, which they will get to eventually. Because, as you know, Duff, we do like to follow the Americans in what we do. So, what you could do is that in the, the bottom six group, the 18, 17, and 16 get the three home games. Yeah. And 15, is that right? Yeah, 15, 14, and 13 only get two home games. Um, and that's that's how you give the bottom teams the edge in that run home uh, to try and help them get those draft picks. And let's not forget, we, we kind of assume that um, pick one is a superstar and pick five is a dud when we look at the drafts, and this is why we talk about the number one pick. But it's always nice to have pick one, which is why I think a draft lottery works. Yeah. Because if you still pick five, you're still going okay. Yeah. But I, I And like- you can still, if a club's in the diabolicals, and this is, yeah. wait for quarters, hackles to come up here, and you really think they need extra help, you could still say, uh-huh. like a North Melbourne, no. you can have a pick at the end of the first round. No. <laughs> Arjuna Ranatunga and Ian Healy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be. No, you're not. No. But you don't get an uh, extra pick for being no good. Sorry. All right. We'll have one. We haven't played finals since 2018. The Hawks. We'll have one. No. After your. No, don't like constant it. Constant bragging about the Seriously. Premiership trophies Will they clattering around the cabinet. Give it a rest about the kangaroos getting. They've got enough as it is. Please. I, th- I think there are circumstances where... No, there's not. Yes, there is. Uh, well, yeah, not this circumstance. Keep going. Uh, this one from Paul from Mount Lawley. Hey, Duffin Quarters. I was having a spirited argument with my friends last week regarding the handy point debate. With Collingwood becoming the close game specialist this season, it would be great to hear your thoughts on behinds late in games. Can they ever be a better outcome than kicking a goal? For debate's sake, I'm a strong no. No, but, you know, Carlton only needed a point. So when it was about the moment that Sam Doherty takes that kick and kicks it out on the full, trying to get the stoppage in the forward pocket, I was thinking, they're getting this wrong, a point will do. Mm. And that should have gone to the hot spot. They should have asked for a monumental contest from Harry Mackay yeah. and um, Charlie Kerner, and they should have asked for a monumental crumb from anyone at ground level to force a score. Well, they had two or three opportunities to force a score, and they didn't take them. Yeah, and, and that's why they're not playing finals it's this week. The finals. Yep. Yeah, it, it was a there was a lack of awareness there. Yeah, a lack of awareness as to what was get going to get the, this done for them. Uh, Joel writes, hey boys, what's up with Frio's trade rumours this year? Lob is a lost cause, so I've had my cup of chamomile tea over that. But the thought of losing Logue and Acres is concerning. If this is all for the pursuit of Jackson, I really question the benefits. What will Jackson add to the team that we are lacking right now? Acres has been great in the wing this year, and Logue as swingman is an athlete asset worth investing in well I would hope like Jackson will bring he's a unicorn he can he's a multi-role player so I think Jackson so you're all in on Jackson well, I'm all in on him but you got, you got to be careful what you trade out I don't want to lose Logue so that's not all in Akers I'm okay but I still he's been great this year but I could I could live with that I don't want Logue out okay so Lob are we almost conceding Lob yeah he's he's gone okay Lob Akers as you say Try and keep, but if you lose, you've got Erasmus, you've got Johnson, you've got Liam Henry, those, um, you've got Carl Warner. So we've barely, we haven't seen Johnson, we haven't seen Warner, 
we've seen a little bit of Henry. We think he's getting better. He's not quite there yet. We've seen enough of Erasmus to get quite excited. Mm. So therefore, yeah, um, if someone comes, well, there's a rumour that North Melbourne has a four or five year deal on the table for Blake Akers. If you're Fremantle and Blake Akers comes to you and says, I want to stay here. I love playing under Justin Longmuir, but this is what's in front of me. I think Fremantle has to say, we can give you two, maybe three, mm. but we can't match that. I wouldn't give him five, but if he can get five from North, well done, Blake yep. Akers. Yeah. Well done. And well done to you. Well, corporate sports are his management. We know who his management is. So well done if you can get it. And um, uh, he has been good this year. Uh, hey, Duff and Quarters, now that the home and away season is but, done. Oh, sorry, follow up from that. Logue is the one I don't want to lose yeah. out of that lot. Logue has too many uses, too many va- values. And Logue is getting better. He's still getting better. We haven't seen the best of Griffin Logue. No. Just uh, work on that goal kicking and he'd be the complete package. Uh, can those in the media, not directing this at you, who constantly bemoan the state of the game, please issue an apology? I like this email. Of course, the AFL has issues to work through on important matters like concussion and racism. But as for the game itself, I would challenge any of them to make a more exciting and enjoyable year of AFL footy than 2022. The league has stars, it has personalities, it has drama, and it has exceptional skill. My team, West Coast, was uncompetitive, and I still found myself glued to each weekend's games. I have some sympathy for the fossils who crave a return to 80s footy as some sort of nostalgia. Fair enough. But those in the media, like David King, who declared that the game has never been more lost, and others who blame low crowds on problems with umpirings when it was clearly a COVID issue, are simply doing a disservice to our great game. Kind regards, Eli from Caulfield, but plenty of family and friends in Perth to pick up the beer if you feel it inclined to give it to me. It's a great email. That's a great email. I'll tell you I'm what, we're dealing with a high quality field today, Quarters. We are. We are. Uh, a couple more. That's that's a great email. Uh, g'day, lads. Fresh off the perpetual disappointment that is Carlton, driving the final nail in our top four hopes and looking forward to a thrilling final series. I just want to reflect on and praise the season of Frio's steak knives players, in inverted commas. Some of the players that we've picked up on the cheap or as late picks. For me... Jimmy Aish has had a career best season. Blake Akers, although maligned, has been solid. Switkowski is easily our best small forward. Cox, Pierce, and Ryan have saved many games for us. And Will Brody has been the steal of the season. All, in my opinion, have been just as vital to our breakout year as the big names. Hoping we can do a bit of damage in the finals and gain a bit of experience to have another crack next year. Cheers, Jared from Port Kennedy. Another great email. Yep. And and I wouldn't. I only disagree with one thing out of that, and that is that Blake Aker's season has been better than solid. Yeah, it has been. Uh, high Duff and Quarters, as there was no fixture at Optus Stadium in round 23, I took the family to the Waffle, which for me was a 35-year hiatus. Wow. My, son, my sons didn't know the Waffle existed. Well, they need to read the West. We have plenty of coverage in there. Uh, is it worth condensing the season and starting the Waffle Finals in the pre-final bye and wrapping up the season so it finishes the weekend of the AFL preliminary finals? Well, of course, we've got the AFLW starting this week in the pre-final bye, and that's for another discussion later in the week because you know my thoughts on the pre-finals bye. should be before the grand final. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane are happy they've, they've got it. Uh, sorry, not Brisbane, Sydney. Tom Papley in the concussion protocols comes out um, just in time to play. But pitch forward if it's a grand final and he can play through the concussion protocols. Yeah. I think the two weeks has to be before the grand final. We worked so well last year. So, okay. Uh, There was a a caller on a talkback show that I do on the weekend and he basically asked, 
where is the advantage for the top four teams if they win the first final where they have the pre-finals by play rest again not enough footy going into the preliminary final um, should there be a buy say well the correspondent who suggested you know the round 17 maybe round 17 then have a buy then play those last six rounds and then go into the final series I like the fact that after the pre-finals buy the, the clubs enter the finals fresher I do like that. Mm. We know why we have a pre-finals buy. is because Fremantle in 2013 facing, looking down the barrel of a trip to Marvel Stadium to play St Kilda and then going back to play Geelong at Cadinia Park in week one of the finals said, we're not doing that. So we're resting our time. But you can still do that. Geelong's managed their list beautifully. You can still be fresh going into the finals without that. I just think there's too much to be gained not only for the non-Victorian teams, the first week of the grand final fortnight, you're able to take part in the important ceremonies, such as the Brownlow Medal, such as the Rising Star, if you're playing in the grand final. The second week can be all about the footy as well, and just you, you focus on the footy then. And most importantly, the concussion protocols, and it gives you the best opportunity to get your best team on the park for the most important game of the year. I just love every, every part of the grand final by... They won't do it. Well, they won't do it because they don't listen. No. And even the – so you can avoid the, the pre-finals by if you do a couple of simple things. And in particular, it applies to the West Australian teams. The West Australian teams have to play in Perth the week of the um, – that in round 23. And it may be – and not no games like this last weekend. So it may be that you play the derby in round 23 like they played the showdown. Mm. In round 23. And, okay, the Derby's a pretty intense game. If Fremantle and West Coast are saying, we're going to go out and kill each other and then have to go and play a final, we'll play it on the Thursday night. By the way, it's a pretty meek, meek effort by Adelaide in that showdown after showing a bit in the first half and after the... I love this year. After you know the what? gobbing off. I love it. You know, the only, thing I'll, the only thing I'll say about that, they felt they needed to pump the game up. They, they may feel a little bit like that. I uh, just liked it. But Robbie Gray's going out. One of your great players. Surely that's enough. Well, they gave him a good send-off. They did. They won the game. But all the gobbing off, I mean, you know. (laughs) I loved it. It's just theatre. But Adelaide were pathetic. They were bunging on an act. Well, I just... Yeah, and, and after should be more of it after halfway through the third quarter. So were the Adelaide Crows. I'm sick of I'm sick of vanilla well. robotic responses. I like a bit of this. It's okay. good. It's good. Anyway, thank you for your emails. Please send them to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Quarters, we may have to have a list management strategy meeting to work out who the clubhouse leader is after that. Like, yes. That was a very high-quality field, I have to say. Thank you for joining us today. We have been brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch can better their bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on one 858 858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters, thank you very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be talking about whatever we talk about in the week of the pre-finals by. And uh, thank you for joining us and hope you can join us again on Thursday. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on The Game.